This is a Soulfire production. Fourth of July weekend is upon us, and if you live in Texas, you are not doing a goddamn thing. Sorry about it. I know we have a lot of listeners in Texas, and I feel sympathy for you. Oh, but here in Colorado, we took care of our shit. We've got a lot of freedom. <laughs> Less freedom than we had six months ago, but still a substantial amount of freedom. This is an interesting time. Lots of crazy shit is happening, and it has been... One hell of a ride to watch and process, and given that I do this show, consume and seek to find valid, if valid opinions are a thing, I seek to find valid opinions when it comes to the state of things, and it has been a wild ride uh, this last week. Now, there was a bit of a family emergency, so things got pushed back a little bit, but I'm kind of glad they did because we're going to be talking about Ghislaine Maxwell getting arrested we're also going to discuss some Trump news, of course, and run over some of that. Going to be talking about how the U.S. is banned from the a- uh, the EU and Chaz and Chop being dismantled. Chaz, Chop, whatever you want to call it. The Seattle Autonomous Zone is no more. The falling of a great nation. Chaz, R.I.P. So, what's been going on? How are you doing? You holding it together? You keeping your mask with you at all times? Are you feeling silenced like a sheep? Are you feeling responsible and productive in the way you're conducting yourself? Those seem to be the only two, <laughs> the only two routes if you uh, have a Twitter account. Either you're an irresponsible fucking piece of shit or you're a virtuous, um, just enlightened being. It's the only two routes that we can go. We've got some fun stuff for you today. We're going to get into it just quite a bit. But I want to let you know that if you love this show, I would really appreciate it if you would do a couple things for me here. Maybe a few things. Let's say a few. I'll ask you to do a few things really quickly. If you could head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review, if you dig my takes. And one of the one of the greatest reviews I've gotten lately was talking about how somebody appreciates the show and doesn't always agree with me. And here's where I may um, separate myself from some political commentators. I hope you don't always agree with me. I don't even always agree with me. But the fact that someone went over to Apple Podcasts and left a five-star review and saying, hey, they really appreciate the show even though they don't always agree with my takes. And given what I'm going to talk about today when it comes to um, canceling white Jesus, I'm sure I'm going to lose a few subscribers, but fuck them, right? Anyways, um, I appreciate that. That means a lot. And that, that's, that says a lot about uh, someone's character that they can appreciate the show, even though they don't always agree. I really appreciate that. And if you head over to uh, YouTube as well, subscribe there, you're going to get the full effects. The full effects of the video component of this show, which is my favorite component of the show. Of course, I love doing the podcast, and I love all of you listening to the audio version, but YouTube brings the heat. Our video editor, Josh, puts that together in a really fun way, and it gives him lots of room and space for creativity, visual creativity. So loving that as well, and share the show if you dig it. Share it with somebody. 
Share it with your parents. I want your parents to hear this. I need you to, to just hit that little share, copy the link to this show, send it to your parents, maybe your whole family. I know everybody has a family text text chain. Just throw it in there. Let's see what uh, let's see what your mom thinks about my takes on white Jesus in the church. It's sure to offend everyone. <laughs> we'll get there later in the show. Um, damn. Damn, this Jeffrey Epstein stuff's going to be fun to get into. And we will do it. So let's just do it right now. Let's go ahead. It's time for the State of Things. All right, all right, all right. The state of things in the world. There are a lot of things going on. I had to, uh, I had to have some some discernment on what I wanted to talk about today. But Ghislaine Maxwell was not going to uh, to slide through the cracks here. Now she has been arrested by the FBI on charges of conspiracy to elicit minors to engage in illegal sex acts, conspiracy to transport minors to engage in illegal sex acts, transportation of a minor to engage in illegal sex acts, and perjury. Now, she was arrested at a uh, luxury estate in New Hampshire by the FBI, and she had been hiding out, kind of bouncing all over the place, avoiding avoiding police and avoiding what um, any kind of private investigators or media, um, but mainly she was hanging out in France. Now, there's a reason she was hanging out in France. She's a French citizen. She was born in France, and France does not extradite their citizens. You can be tried in France, and but the, if you're a citizen of France, you're not going to get extradited to the U.S. So it was relatively safe for her to be there. She could have been prosecuted in France, but given that most of the crimes didn't occur there, um, would have been a whole different situation. So we've got to ask ourselves, the first question that I want to ask myself here, and whenever I saw this whole thing, this woman is very powerful, very connected, very connected. Why would she allow herself to be arrested in New Hampshire of all places? Why was she there? Why would she even go there? If she was safe in France from prosecution to the extent of the U.S., uh, criminal justice system, why would she go to New Hampshire? What was there for her? So it, that leads me to believe that there's way more at play here than what we're seeing. And this whole Jeffrey Epstein situation has been really shady, really shady. And the, the number of connections that have been uncovered since his death, particularly, um, have been pretty astonishing. I mean, I've even read reports of him being connected to a uh, the Iranian arms deal that funded the Contras in Nicaragua. That's how he got his initial money, his initial fortune, because um, that was one of the shadiest arms deals in recorded history. So there's a lot going on here, and her being his kind of right-hand woman and the woman who really, I would say, did most of the manipulation and grooming for the girls that ended up participating in whatever kind of sex schemes um, that that Epstein had going on, she knows everything. She knows everything. And when you talk about this conspiracy or whatever you have or whatever you want to call it, the reports of this case, the name Bill Clinton comes up often, often. And something that's been uncovered lately or recently 
is that the reason that Clinton was on Epstein's plane 26 times, which we all know that he was on that plane a bunch of times, isn't because he was necessarily close with, with Epstein, but that he was having an affair with Ghislaine Maxwell. So during this time period, he was on that plane with his confidant, who he was dating or had an affair with, and that, if you look at it, because there's been no reports of Bill Clinton doing anything with any underage girls. No underage girls have even come forward that I've known of that have said that he has you know, slept with them or whatever. By all accounts, that what I understand is that Bill Clinton just likes, likes adult women that aren't his wife, which I get it. Makes sense. Um, if I was married to Hillary Clinton, I would be a philanderer as well. So we look at this thing and it's like, okay, well, that's, that's actually a, a better case for him. But at some point, this stuff's got to get public, right? We've got to know what the hell is actually going on. And when there's such deep ties, such deep ties, and in 2007, he got that sweetheart deal, the non-prosecution agreement in Florida, and she was um, protected in that case, in that deal, she was protected. But there's been so much now, whether it's the Filthy Rich documentary on Netflix or just the, the, the sheer number of articles and media outlets that have covered this to an extent that is so, just so incriminating of this whole entire enterprise and the number of people that could fall with this, with this going public and actual information. This thing goes to trial and they are able to get in there nice and deep-like. The number of people that are going to be implicated in this situation is just astonishing. And one possibility that's been floated is that um, the connection with Prince Andrew has pressured Ghislaine to cooperate with the FBI. Now, I think there's going to be some kind of sweetheart, sweetheart deal with her too. I, this isn't going to be reported. And to be honest, this thing is underreported on any mainstream media outlet. I mean, I've been watching MSNBC this morning. Haven't seen one thing about it. We're talking about non-shit, non-important non Trump bullshit. Right, so it, it, this is really interesting, and I'm super curious where this is going to go. Now, she is as culpable, in my opinion, as Epstein. Um, I don't think that there's when you talk about sex trafficking and manipulation, the actual to, to me, the actual sex acts themselves are as egregious as the grooming and manipulation of these girls to be a part of this enterprise. So to me, she's as culpable. This is, this is a really, really intense situation. Now, I want you to think about this. Think about the number of people who are just tripping right now. Prince Andrew being one of them. Bill, the Clintons being another cohort that is going to be on high alert. Now, I don't know what happens in that, in that high power structure of the world. I don't really, I've never been a part of it. But I know there are people that are really stressing right now. Now, this famous photo that's gone around of, of Prince Andrew with one of the girls who has been um, one of the primary accusers and the most vocal um, also has Ghislaine Maxwell in the background. So it's this, there's this, there is this incriminating bit of evidence of Prince Andrew with one of the girls who accused him of sleeping with her when she was 17. Um, and then Ghislaine there in the, in the background. So this is going to be, I'm so excited to see this all unwind. I'm so excited, and I hope there's some kind of justice in this. Very interesting stuff. Now, if something happens to this woman, if something happens, and it, even if she's not prosecuted to the full extent of her crimes, 
regardless of who she turns over. Like this, I just can't think, I can't, I can't imagine a world. Well, maybe I can because our world is kind of fucked, but I can't imagine her getting some kind of plea deal to roll over on more powerful people. But maybe, maybe, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? This is absolutely fascinating. But we might actually get a chance to see this play out. We might get a chance to see this play out in court. Now, we're going to keep you up to date on this, uh, and we're going to go deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole as far as her connections, and maybe we'll commit you know, a, a portion of, of the shows going forward into what's happening. I've got my finger on the pulse of this thing. Super excited to see how this is going to turn out. But I'm curious what you guys think. Like This is just, this is so much, so much happening here. And I, I just can't get over, one, why the mainstream media isn't covering this as a huge story right now. Right? There's, of course, there's an election year and there's a lot of things, and there's coronavirus and whatever. It can all be kind of, brushed under the rug in some way, but this is the biggest story out right now. This is bigger than, than the Russian bounties and all that other shit. That's just kind of like, to me, distraction fluff. This is important. And there are many implications. So one, why is the mainstream media not covering this, which they haven't for years, super really just shady shit there. But then why did she let herself get arrested? Who is she cooperating with? And what deal is at play? What backroom shady deal is at play where she was allowed, where she allowed herself to be arrested here? We'll see. We will see. But let me know what you think. Find me on Instagram. Drop a comment below. Wherever you're listening to this, I want to know what you think is really going on. Keep me in the loop. If you have any, if you have any articles, if you have any information that I may not have seen, Send that to me at Connor Wanders on Instagram or anywhere you can find me. I want to know more. I want to know all the things. And if there's one thing that I'm actually listening to Alex Jones <laughs> talk about and taking it to heart is this. I mean, about 40 to 50% of what he says about this. But, man, wild stuff. Wild stuff. Now, let's talk about our friends over at The Chop. The Chop has been shut down, cleaned up. And from the pictures I saw, the before and after pictures from Chaz, Chop, the, the Capitol Hill organized protest, the Capitol Hill autonomous zone, they've done a really good job cleaning it up. And I'm kind of glad that I think they hope they keep some of the street art. Some of that street art was really well done. That big uh, Black Lives Matter mural in the middle of the street was really cool. Uh, I've also seen some like really shitty graffiti and there's a difference. There's a difference between street art and graffiti. If you live in any town like Denver or Austin, you know, you know what's up. You know the difference. Seattle's got some great, some great street art as well. So I hope they keep that up as a memoriam to the Chaz that was. But some really fucked up shit happened. And this dissolved into chaos. And and the mayor of Seattle was criticized for calling this this um, protest, this autonomous zone something similar to the summer of love. And people were like, oh, well, that's, that's bullshit. The summer, of love, the summer of love, although it did take longer um, to dissolve into chaos, it did dissolve into chaos. Um, early on in the summer of love, and I think that was in the summer of 67, so over a few-month period, there was a lot of LSD use, hippies. That's actually where Charles Manson kind of came out of. 
Uh, there was a lot going on. There was free clinics. There was it was a really interesting time there in San Francisco in the hate is what it was called. Now, as illicit drug use kind of goes, and I don't really believe that LSD is an illicit drug, but during that kind of free for all wild west of psychedelics and mind altering substances, at some point in the summer of love, meth got infused in there, and meth and uh, amphetamines be started becoming more and more popular, and that's when shit kind of hit the fan kind of went off the rails and it got very dangerous, very sketchy. And just like the Nazis, <laughs> meth will make you do some really, really weird things. So that's what the summer of love wasn't, wasn't all hugs and kisses. And also in the summer of 67, there was also race riots, right? So there was a lot going on in 67 that is reflected in what's going on now in 2020. But we saw a similar trajectory over, I think it was only like 40 days that the Chaz was even a thing, maybe less than that. But it started out peaceful protests, you know, doing the thing. And of course, the media, depending on which side you were watching, reported it in one way or another that uh, kind of fit their narrative. But generally speaking, it was pretty chill. Now, when you have something like that and it's like, hey, and this is a good example of what happens if you just take away cops, like you create a power vacuum and it attracted the kinds of people who are undesirable when it comes to maintaining a peaceful society. So shootings started happening here in the past couple of weeks. Uh, more and more regularly. Now, who knows where they were going? They could have been right-wing agitators and it could have been Antifa. Who knows, right? Depends on who you listen to. But there was some stuff that even looked more like hits, like they were going, you know, people getting shot out of out of Chevy Tahoes, right? More targeted and driving off and kind of getting a, a pass. And I'm not sure that the people who shot these, there's so many people and so much chaos that I don't, I don't foresee a way that these people are going to be caught who committed some of these crimes. But there's one in particular, and we're going to play this video here, of these two kids, 16 and 14, who apparently stole an SUV, stole a Jeep, uh, Jeep Cherokee, and uh, were going for a joyride. Now, the logic on the side of the, the CHOP um, security team, which was armed with, from what I saw in this video, um, a couple of older AK-47s, maybe a few AR-15s, something, something like that. So semi-automatic, high-caliber rifles. Uh, higher caliber rifles. Um, and the end of the story is the 16 year old is dead and the 14 year olds in critical condition, uh, both shot. Now what the, the security team of the chop will say is that there was a drive by shooting and that that's what they retaliated with shooting these kids, um, who had stolen this car. But if you look at it a little deeper, the drive by the drive by shooting, which was a semi-normal occurrence in in the Chaz there at the end, um, was uh, was at one about one fifteen in the morning, and this shooting where these where these kids were shot uh, happened about three three thirty ish. Um, so we're gonna play some um, some street cameras, and there's there's a few different angles here. I think they're all pretty important to see, and it's really hard to see, but we do get some zoom. So pay attention to this and just see kind of how this this whole thing plays out. And this is from the Seattle police, by the way. Here's somebody, this is on, damn, somebody getting their ass kicked on the 20th. Right now, here's where we get to the shooting. Shooting there. Somebody's saying, can I walk to Pine and 13th? Um, yeah, I can walk up there. I do see. Little vlog action. Some, um, Oh, oh. Jesus Christ, this has got to be scary as hell. Oh, 
More shots fired. I'm running away. This has got to be the this end. Place the into a shit show. This, this second shooting. Um, I think it's pretty much over after this. Um, this is kind of a nightmare. Kind of a nightmare. All right, this is on the 29th. This is when the shooting happened. All quiet on the Chaz. Uh-oh. Was that like 10, 12, 15 shots fired? Now I want to I want to point this out, um, and having some experience with with guns, this kind of uh, helps me here, kind of analyze this. All those shots you just heard were from the same person, so you could tell they weren't in different areas, and they had the same kind of crack to them. Those were all from the same rifle. That's a different one. the same one now he crashes into the barricade here backs up I think the car is pretty trash at this point crash backs into the barricade it's a 16 year old so he's not driving very well more shots it's all the same gun Now this guy's rolling with like a like a 7.56, like an AK type type weapon, cruising around. This is cell phone footage. People are crouched down there. Scary shit, man. This is not okay. Here's kind of the aftermath of the, of the accident and the shooting. Where's the driver? This oh my god! Terrible. The driver's side window. Smokes. Different guy, similar weapon. Another AK style. Yeah, there he is again. All right. So with that, you know, this shit is scary, man. This is a scary situation, and this is something that we warned a bit against, and. And now I looked at the chop from the beginning and said, hey, this is pretty, this seems pretty chill, but it's it is dangerous. This can get really rowdy. And, and you get a bunch of people who, they get more and more aggressive as time goes on, you know, and when you have some place where there's really no 
any new society is going to turn into fucking chaos, right? Any new society is going to turn into chaos. I mean, if you look at what was happening early in, early in, in colonization, that was, shit was chaos. They were eating their dead. They were digging up their dead from three days ago and eating them because they were starving. They were living in caves. They had no idea. They just showed up at a place and were like, okay, here we are. Now we're home. They don't, they, they, it was a fucking shit show. So any place that tries to establish itself is going to have a fair amount of chaos. And we've seen that in the way that when the United States gets involved in toppling regimes and, and regime changed wars, of course it dissolves any chaos, creates a power vacuum. And those people that are generally more violent will gravitate towards leadership positions because they're more assertive. Um, and that's unfortunately what we saw here with the chop or Chaz. I use the two interchangeably because they're both really fun to say. Um, but what you saw when you look at what happened on, on Twitter after this all went down is that people were celebrating this, that these kids were fascists. And one thing if these kids, they said the reports say that these kids were unarmed. And I, I tend to believe that because they're 14 and 16 years old. And one thing I did, they were armed and they're getting shot at. I heard zero gunshots coming from that car. Zero. And since the car was coming down the road and had come around a corner, you would be able to tell if gunshots were coming from that car because they would start to sound, they would echo off different buildings. It would sound, you, it's really easy to tell when a gunshot, when gunshots are moving. So what I saw was that, you know, if I'm trying to make some kind of assumption here is that these people assumed that this was the people who did the drive-by because they were doing some kind of joyride in a stolen car, and they believe it's stolen because the license plates were folded up. Um, not that I haven't seen that that's been confirmed, but it makes sense. Um, and I've had my car stolen for a joyride before, and it's kind of a pain in the ass, but it happens often. Somebody will steal a car that's easy to steal and um, drive it around, fuck around, and then leave it somewhere. And so what we see here is these kids, one dead, 16-year-old dead, and then you have... These far left activists, I guess you would call them, uh, aggravators in a way, applauding the murder of these kids and believing their narrative and not really having any kind of critical thinking involved in how, um, how they're going about understanding this and how terrible this actually is. So the chop is done, it's gone. And the sad thing is, something I think I feel that was brought about in a spirit of change and and actually bringing more peace to the world dissolved into violence. And and it also just gives these Fox News right wing Breitbart talking points. These, these organizations gives them more talking points to then criticize any kind of of peaceful protest and gives them more ammunition to use against people that actually want a systemic change that is for the good of society at large. Um, by lumping them in with far left extremists and Marxists and anarchists and um, you know the like, so really sad, really unfortunate, and um, really sorry to see this happen. So thoughts to their family, and uh, we'll see what happens next. Let's go to the next thing. All right, you know the United States has banned some travel has banned a little bit of travel here, but, uh, you know, and we're not really used to people banning our travel, but in the way that our divisive government has, um, conducted themselves during this coronavirus epidemic pandemic, um, we can see that, uh, that no one, uh, we've kind of lost some credibility. Let's just put it that way. So the EU 
sets new list of approved travel partners, and the U.S. is not on it. So U.S. travelers won't be among those allowed to visit the European European Union when the bloc begins opening its external borders on July 1st. EU ambassadors endorsed a list of 15 travel partners on Tuesday, including South Korea, Japan, and with a caveat, China. Those countries were hit early by the pandemic, but have been able to bring the coronavirus under control. Now, those were the first countries to get a hold of this thing, and they've been able to suppress their numbers um, in a way that we haven't. And I think a lot of that goes along with just American entitlement in general, and a lot of the... um, I mean, the protests play a part in that, too. And it's so funny how if you're watching, like, Democrat slash left-wing news, large gatherings, like, at a church, which I think are, you know, I'm not I'm not pro-church or pro or, or Christian by any means, but large gatherings at a church, not okay. Large gatherings at a protest are totally fine. Like, it's like coronavirus is just, uh, you know, immune to protesters or p- protesters are immune to the coronavirus. Very weird deal here. Um, but that's definitely not done us any favors. And on the, you know, that, we'll call that like the left protesting um, irresponsibility. And then on the side, other side, you have the right protesting irresponsibility. So large segments of our population are incredibly irresponsible when it comes to coronavirus. And now we're going to pay the price. And here's the thing. Being banned from the EU, right, you would think that as soon as they open back up, they would want that American money. And that American money is very important to their economy. And they're not loving this by any means. Also, the United States has been a leader when it comes to air travel. As far as safety, regulations, uh, communication, transparency, really setting a standard. And there are lots and lots of people who work in the, in the, uh, the travel industry that need travel to Europe. Europe's one of the most popular destinations for Americans. We love it over there. It's great. They don't love us as much personally, but they like our money. So... Just think about how our irresponsibility is affecting the people, flight attendants, pilots, staff workers, I mean, baggage handlers, all the way down the line. People are incredibly affected by this because we can't get our shit together. Now, let's go ahead and read off the full list of the 15 that'll be allowed. And this was, you know, they opened up two days ago. The countries that are going to be allowed into the EU are Algeria, Australia, Canada, Georgia, Japan, Montenegro, Morocco, New Zealand, Rwanda, Uh, Serbia, South Korea, Thailand, Tunisia, Uruguay, and China. Now, China's where this whole thing started. Now, they have a pretty authoritarian situation going on over there, so they were able to shut it down, and they went through some really sketchy uh, methods to make that happen. But if you look at these these countries, now we can think about Australia, New Zealand are not densely populated. I think New Zealand has 3 million people, either 3 or 6. I think it's three though. Um, and that's so you can understand how they would be able to, to get this thing under control pretty quickly. And I think they're, they're pretty much back to normal. If I'm going to move anywhere, that's not the U S it's going to be New Zealand. <laughs> Love that place. Um, but you look at some of these countries and you got to think how were we the, the ones that are densely populated, especially how were we less capable of handling this than Uruguay? Right. Why? Why is that? Why can we not get on the same page? Why can we not be told accurate information and get on the same page so that we can then, can, can then participate? If Trump's primary focus is the economy, us being able to travel is a humongous part of our economy. They're going to bail the airlines out for billions of dollars over time. 
How about conducting ourselves appropriately so that the airlines can get back to doing what airlines fucking do and shuttle people around all over the world? And you've got to consider how much credibility we lose in the global market by acting like fucking morons. This is really sad and embarrassing as a nation. And one thing is, and this is the deal that people don't understand, all great nations fall. All of them do. You can look at Britain. You can look at Rome. You can do whatever you want to do here. But all great nations fall. The United States will not always be the global superpower that it is. And generally speaking, all great nations fall based on mistakes of their own. And that generally includes arrogance. And if you don't think we have a fair amount of American arrogance, then you are highly naive. And I believe that will be our downfall. The amount of damage we cause across the globe is unprecedented. And now, because of our own lack of responsibility, we're being punished for it in the way that I honestly believe that we deserve. So shout to the EU for standing up to themselves. I'm sure that they're getting a lot of flack for this from the whoever the fuck controls this kind of shit. But props to them for doing what they need to do. And it is really interesting to see how how this is going to affect our reputation when it comes to travel and global travel, particularly wild stuff, wild stuff. We live in a crazy world, but we will not be going to the EU for quite some time. It seems because there's more and more cases. We just need to, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just pull all the regulations. Here's my idea. Let's pull all the regulations. Let the people die. Get herd immunity. Fuck it, right? We're, we're heading that way anyways. We're heading that way anyways. Because no one can get on the su- same fucking page. We take anything that's important, anything that's important and has to do with the health and wellness of this country and make it fucking political. Whether that's the consumption of high fructose corn syrup, whether that's the price of fucking uh, medical, medical care, doesn't matter. Whether it's climate change, we'll just make it political and then we'll argue about it for fucking decades so nothing fucking gets done, ever. Let's take COVID-19 and make it more political so that it just stays in fucking stalemate. This fucking government is a goddamn joke. It's a joke. It's fucking embarrassing. I think there may be some some massive fucking American exodus after this bullshit because everybody's so fucking fed up with this shit. So fucking fed up with this shit. We get the shittiest information. Fucking Michelle Obama can't even run a health initiative because Coca-Cola's got their hands so far up the government's ass that they can't get shit done that that fucking does anything to hurt Coca-Cola sales. That shit really fucking happens. And you think you have if you have the idea that the United States government gives an actual fuck about your health, you are fucking delusional. You are fucking delusional. You know what pharmaceutical companies need? They need you to be taking shit all the time. They need your insurance company to be buying shit all the time. There's no incentive to fucking healing something. There's no incentive to wellness. This is capitalism, my friends. This is capitalism. To even empower you with information to have personal responsibility for your own life is anti-capitalist. And this is the fucking world we live in. It's a joke. 
is a joke by every stretch of the imagination. I'm fucking sick of it. I've been watching this shit for a decade. I mean, god damn. It's why do we have faith? What do you who has faith in this system? Who? How could we? How could we? It makes no sense. It makes absolutely no fucking sense. This is the most embarrassing time in our country's history, in my opinion, since fucking slavery. I mean, fuck, at the time we had slaves, that was more normal than the way that we're, we're handling coronavirus. Our, our, our arrogance and our desire to let corporations run our fucking decision-making processes and tell us what's good for us is, is comical. And now you've got the fucking pharma company who has the has the the therapeutics for coronavirus or covid-19 that has that drug is charging $2500 for a therapeutic that costs $10 to make that we subsidized with our tax money who didn't see that shit coming who didn't see that coming really $2,500. Hey, guess what, motherfuckers? That shit should be free because we fucking paid for it. We already paid for it. You're going to make us pay for it again, you fucking slimy bastards? Fuck me, dude. Oh, let's move on. Now that I'm nice and, nice and riled up, let's talk about white Jesus and Sean King, the Charlie Kirk of the left. Yes, Sean King. I just called you Charlie Kirk of the left because all you do, all you do is make inflammatory statements to get attention. Just like Charlie Kirk, it's the same shit. Same shit, different skin tone. And this is so absurd and so annoying that we have to cover it here. Now, here's what Sean King tweeted. Yes, I think the statues of white European they claim is Jesus should also come down. They are a form of white supremacy. Always have been. In the Bible, when the family of Jesus wanted to hide and blend in, guess where they went? Egypt, not Denmark. Tear them down. Yes, all murals and stained glass windows of white Jesus and his European mother and their white friends should also come down. They are a gross form of white supremacy created as tools of oppression, racist propaganda. They should all come down. You are a fucking moron, okay? If you want to say that about white Jesus, then you need to say that about Asian Jesus, black Jesus, Indian Jesus. They all exist. They all exist. How people want to fucking market their fairy tales is up to them, okay? People want to believe this thing and want to believe in this Christian myth. That's fine. If they want to market however they want to market it, that's fine. But what you'll see is that every culture's Jesus reflects the aesthetics of that culture. Jesus wasn't black either, and Jesus wasn't Asian, and Jesus wasn't Indian. Jesus was a Middle Eastern dude. Now, I think I would love, I would love if every culture had accurate depictions of Jesus. But if you're going to attack white Jesus, then you got to attack black Jesus. Because neither one of them are accurate. 
if Jesus even existed in the first place? What are you, this is, this is, this is clickbait just riling up the communities. And what dumb shit like this does, this is why this shit pisses me off so much because I really don't give an actual fuck. But this is why stuff like this makes me so frustrated because it just gives Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity and Donald Trump something to fucking talk about. That makes the left, anybody who leans left, including myself, look like a fucking dickhead. Even though I believe this is stupid. I want nothing to do with this conversation. Now, my mom's church, I will give them credit, walked into my mom's church when she wanted me to go with her the last time, a couple years ago. So I went with her to make her happy. It was an excruciating hour and a half of my life, but I handled it because I love my mom and I want to do something nice for her. And they had a picture, a big painting of Jesus doing Jesus things. And it was a brown Jesus. And I was like, wow, that's very progressive of you guys in Graham, Texas. Awesome. Brown Jesus, go you guys. That's that's fantastic. And I would think it'd be hilarious if white people and black people and whoever was Christian had a Middle Eastern Palestinian Jesus representation in their stained glass and on their statues and in their pictures and on their Bibles or whatever they were doing. That would be fantastic. I would love that. But if you're going to attack one ethnicity of Jesus, you got to attack them all that aren't Palestinian Middle Eastern. That's it. What you've done here is made yourself look really fucking stupid, Sean King. And not to mention your your fraudulent GoFundMe bullshit. You're a fucking scumbag. I'm not scared to say it. I do it to the right and I'll do it to the left. When you're speaking out of line, you're saying something, you're just preaching some fucking nonsense, you deserve to get called out. And this is fucking stupid. What you're doing here is driving attention to your fucking Twitter page. Because you want more attention so you can run more GoFundMes and take more people's money. That's all this is. So if you think this is some kind of self, some kind of righteous uh, quest that he's going on to make the world a better place, you're fucking misled. This guy's a scumbag. Let's just call it what it is. I'm not scared to say it. I hope I get, come at me. Come at me and tell me something different. Convince me otherwise. I can change my mind. But this is absurd. This is absurd. Come on, Sean King. I would like to think you're better than that, but history shows otherwise. Now, if we think about this, and call churches what they are. Churches are businesses. They're tax-free businesses. Okay? And their depiction of Jesus is their marketing material. So you can make Jesus look like Captain fucking Planet. It doesn't matter. If that gets people in the seats and that gets money in the bank, that's likely what churches are going to do. So if you think about churches and call them what they are, businesses, businesses, I mean, if you want to look at Joel Osteen's mansion, tell me that's not a business. Tell me that if you watch Joel Osteen's televised megachurch presentations that are filled with marketing material about across the bottom of the screen, tell me that's not a business. It's a tax-free business. So what they want to do with their marketing material is their business. It's fucking capitalism. And to think churches are above that is... Uh, is just silly. It's not racist propaganda. And maybe, of course, everything's been leveraged as racist propaganda at some point or another. And white Jesus, yes, is silly. And so is black Jesus. And so is Hindu Jesus. And so, or excuse me, not Hindu Jesus. That doesn't make any sense. So is Indian Jesus. So is Asian Jesus. But there's art of all of them across the world. And one is just as silly as the other. Now believe what you want to believe. And I think that Jesus was probably a real person. 
He didn't look like any of that. And the teachings of Jesus have been manipulated so much over the past 2,000 years that they're pretty much (laughs) whitewashed across the board and have been manipulated over and over again. So what does it matter? To even get the facts about the Christian religion, you've got to dig so deep. They don't teach you that shit in church. I was there. I remember. (sighs) All colors of Jesus are equally ridiculous, unless they're Middle Eastern. And yes, Jesus looked more like a Z Zanzari than Chris Hemsworth. I get that. But it's the world we live in. So if you want to take down white Jesus, take down every color of Jesus that's not from the Middle East, or you're equally as full of shit. All right, let's have a little fun here. Let's have a little fun. This, now, the left is kind of, the left is kind of, uh, I would say, hmm, the more aggressive cancelers. They have more, they're more responsible for cancel culture than, than the right, generally speaking. But the right, they got them one. <laughs> they got them one. Now, it's funny because people, you know, the, the, the right wing always complains about social media censoring their content and how it's been unfair to them and whatever, whatever. I mean, I'm being shadow banned all over the fucking place. I get it. And I'm not on the right at all by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I think that Facebook and social media platforms are the best thing that's ever happened to the right wingers. Honestly, this, it's gotten their message out there. It's found it's, it's reached across the country and further to find people who align with them, but they complain about it constantly. And now because right wing, uh, TikTok, Instagram, uh, Facebook is so strong. They got after this woman named Clara. I think it's Hanover or Janover J A N O V E R. I'm gonna call it Hanover. It's that. I think that's a soft J. <sighs> Hanover. Anyways, Clara Hanover uh, put up a TikTok, and we're going to play it right here. And then right-wing social media got a hold of it. Conservative hype house got a hold of it, spread it around, and um, she paid the price. Let's see what she has to say here. The next person who has the sheer nerve, the sheer entitled caucasity to say all caucasity. lives matter I'm going to stab you. I'm going to stab you. And while you're struggling and bleeding out, I'm going to show you my paper cut and say, my cut matters too. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's, let's talk about that for a second. So I think she's making a very aggressive uh, metaphor there to all lives matter versus black lives matter. Uh, I don't think she's actually going to stab anyone, but um, that's what she put out there. And you got to be careful what you put out there. Like, I fully know that my white Jesus rant is going to get me some uh, some aggressive comments and whatever. Uh, my white Jesus thing might get me a little bit in a little bit of trouble. Um, or, excuse me, my Crystalia stuff got me in a little bit of heat because the, you know, the fanboys came out in droves. But um, this woman, yeah, she's a Harvard grad. So let's see what happened next. Trump supporters just took my job away from me. I have gotten death threats. Rape threats, violent threats. It was okay. But now it doesn't make my future. My future is entirely compromised because Trump supporters have decided to come for my life. 
god, this sucks. You guys suck. I'm too strong for you. I'm too strong for any of you. All lives matter raises Trump supporters. It sucks, but it doesn't suck as much as systemic racism. And I'm not gonna stop using my platform to advocate for it. And I'm sorry, Deloitte, that you can't see that. That you are cowardice enough to fight somebody who's going to make an indelible change in the world and is going to have an impact. I know this is what Trump supporters wanted. Um, because standing up for Black Lives Matter put me in a in a place online to be seen by millions of people. The job that I had worked really hard to get and meant a lot to me just called me and fired me because of everything. Um, I don't know if everyone's seen, but it's been circulating a lot. Um, my Black Lives Matter TikToks were picked up by conservatives and spread and shared and people were demanding that I'd be fired, which I, I just got. My job that I worked really hard for. Even though they claim to stand against systematic bias, racism, and unequal treatment. So do the thousands of Trump supporters sending me hate messages, death threats, and, and violent messages. I'm still not going to stop talking about and defending Black Lives Matter. You can't take away my spirit and my devotion towards human rights. Oh, man. Oh, Clara. You mess with the boy and you get the horns. I get what she was doing, and I don't think it was that bad. I don't think it's any worse than what a lot of right-wingers do. And the, the Trump supporters on, on social media are fucking annoying. Like, they're so annoying. I mean, that's why I'm shadow banned on TikTok because I put out a, I made fun of Joe Biden, accumulated a, a following of, of people that a lot of them were conservative, and then when I start ripping on Trump and Trump supporters, well, I get reported. And then when I get reported, I get shadow banned. And instead of getting, you know, 30,000 views a video, now I get 300. And that fucking sucks. I didn't lose my job over it because this is my job and I do what the fuck I want. But I don't know. It, it, am I sad about this? I, I don't really. I, you got to watch your fucking mouth, man. I mean, you, you got to know who you're coming at. You got to know your audience. You got to know what's going to happen. You got to think about that. There's a lot of ways to make the metaphor that she made without talking about stabbing anybody, especially with as much violence that's going on as there is. Oh, Clara Hanover. I think she'll be fine. I think she'll be fine. Maybe learned a lesson, a valuable lesson. And being from Harvard is such a liberal school, you could get away saying shit like that because a high... Um, a lot of a lot of universities are very liberal biased, um, which makes sense, and it sometimes causes a lot of problems, and sometimes it doesn't. But it's it's, it's a really interesting thing to to see this girl get publicly just kind of beat down. Lesson being, don't talk about stabbing people. Don't talk about stabbing people uh, while there's a lot of violence going on, especially. Now, I don't think she's capable of, of stabbing anybody. She looks like a pretty sweet person, very uh, very social justice warrior-y. But for as many people that have spoken up and said way less egregious things than her on the left, or excuse me, on the right, that get canceled, journalism is getting decimated right now because people are speaking up and trying to share accurate information about the protests and the riots from places like the New York Times. Uh-uh. That's a no-go. You're threatening your job by doing that. By being a journalist, you're threatening your job by sharing accurate information. So, you know, 
the right's going to come at him because the right's pissed. Because media bias, thanks to the Trump phenomenon, have been has been really, really brutal. And, yeah. The right got him a win here, I guess. Feel bad for her, though. Actually, I don't. I don't really care. <laughs> but interesting story nonetheless. Be careful with those Trump supporters on, on social media. They will get you. They will get you. Now, let me give you something to think about. Something to think about. All right, friends. We're going to talk about thinking and feeling. Specifically, critical thinking and critical feeling. Now, the definition of critical thinking is the objective analysis and evaluation of an issue in order to form a judgment. And the definition of critical feeling is using feelings strategically. Now, what I see in this gigantic clusterfuck that is the United States currently is a, is a, I would say a normal amount of critical thinking giving our history, which is not high, but a complete lack of critical feeling. Now, what I mean by critical feeling, feeling outside of the definition is the ability to understand the origin of your feelings and use them appropriately given the situation. And when your feelings override your ability to cognitively understand what the fuck is going on, you can get yourself in trouble. You can get yourself in deep trouble. Think about getting in a fight with your partner. Right? Feelings take over. You say things you don't mean. You don't really think irrational. And then later, if you're not a douchebag, you apologize. In a relationship, that happens. It's part of the game. It's part of what we do. It's all good. But when you apply that to the dangers of groupthink and media manipulation, shit can get really squirrely. And I think that is what we're seeing on the left and the right. A complete lack of critical feeling. So what you can do here is take a fucking breath when you feel triggered, when you feel upset, and knowing that when you feel a sense of being triggered by something, if you're on the right, maybe it's Second Amendment stuff. If you're on the left, maybe it's systemic racism or police brutality, right? Whatever that is, whatever it is that, that, that gets you riled up, know that generally speaking, that feeling of being triggered is a feeling of innate insecurity, and when you feel triggered, instead of lashing out, which is a very immature way to handle emotional disturbances, you need to take that, that feeling, that energy, turn it inward. Ask yourself, where is that feeling coming from? Why do I feel so passionate about this? Create a better understanding. Use your critical thinking abilities, if you have them, and I hope you do, and if you don't, you should develop them. Very important. To analyze your feelings. Understand where they're coming from. Develop an argument that is solid. Because on the left and the right, both 
sides are overextending their arguments in a way that makes them so vulnerable to each other. And the, the, that, that's fine, that's all well and good, but what the, 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 the manifestation of that situation is a more divided America. And I've said it many times in this show, and I'll continue to say it, I'm not against many things, but I am very, very much against divisiveness. And whether that's people versus the government, whether that's the Democrats versus the Republicans, whether that's the liberal versus the versus the conservatives, like whatever it is. We need to understand that we need opposing views. We need opposing views. That's one, one of my biggest criticisms, criticisms about the government now is that we have a center and we have a right. We don't actually have a left. And if we had an actual left and an actual right, an actual liberal, actual conservative wings of the party versus a pseudo-left and a uh, neo-conservative branch, which is kind of what we have now, we would actually get some conversations and some discourse that could move the, move the culture forward. Right? If we're going to have a two-party system, that's the way it needs to go. And what that requires is an understanding of our emotional state. And that's not something that gets talked about a lot, especially politically, is understanding your emotions and where they come from and why. Why, why, why? Can you, how many times can you ask yourself why before you act? Strive for that. Critical feeling. Not letting your emotions run you, but letting your emotions inform your actions. Critical feeling. It's important. It's what we need. And if you take the time, you can be a part of the solution and not part of the problem. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. If you love this show, make sure to go over to Apple Podcasts, leave it a five-star review, and share it with some friends. Really appreciate it. Go find us on YouTube. All the links to everything important are in the show notes of this show. Oh, man. And as always, keep your head on straight. We'll see you next time.